Okay, we want to welcome everyone to uh, Blazing Fire's worship service, and I'm really glad that you're here. Tonight, you can already tell, we have uh, Chris Burns, or if you don't know him, this is Chris Burns, and we're going to also, yeah, super glad he's here. I'm standing in his way right now, but that's because I'm going to get out of the way in one second. Uh, But I just, before we even worship, I wanted us uh, collectively just to... to, uh, maybe close your eyes or something, but just in your heart for each one of us to make our own decision. Um, Jesus, I'm here. I'm here to worship you. Uh, and and that, that, that actually doesn't have to look like something in particular. It's really more of a heart thing. Like, I really do want to connect with your heart because you are here. You're living inside of me. And so I just want to remind each one of you as we're, we pray for a moment that that uh, the connection is so much more real than we know and that it's not um, it's not like we're trying to find God out there somewhere he's right here he's right here you can even just touch your own chest or your own belly or something and just say he's right here so Lord we thank you this is this was your choice you chose us before the foundation of the earth to belong to you Jesus, you came. Father, you were in Christ, reconciling the world to yourself. Jesus, you came to show us what union with the Father and what love looks like. We have your spirit. Lord, we are so blessed. We are blessed beyond measure. And so as we're worshiping tonight, whether we're exuberant, whether we're quiet, that's that's really uh, not the big deal. The big deal is that we're that, that we're aware of your love. We're aware of your presence. We're aware that you are right here loving us no matter what. This is, this is what each one of us uh, are looking for, seeking for, and what we actually already have. And I'm asking Holy Spirit that you make us really aware. We're inviting, we're inviting um, spiritual, angelic encounters. Whatever it is you want to do, Lord, that's what we want. But we're here mostly to warm your heart with our affection in response to your love for us. In Jesus' name. See you. 
Savior's robe as he walks into the room where people pray, where we hear worship, he hears
inside of my heart I want to give all that's inside of my heart to you I want to give all that's inside of my heart let me give it all Jesus we just pray right now Father for this thing we've withheld from Holy Spirit we love you we thank you for your leadership shine your light God watching how we love one another. And I don't know if you have children, but one of the greatest joys is to see your kids learn to love, especially love one another. It's so beautiful to watch. You know, love is definitely something that's caught, not just taught. It's something that, that children pick up. And, and I feel... I had the most intense encounter with the Lord that I've had in a long time. I actually told the Lord that I wanted to cry. <laughs> I said, Lord, I need a good cry in your presence. I want you to touch my heart. And I was with my son in the most unlikely places where I was expecting an encounter. And one night I decided to just linger with my son and just decided to spend time longer than just the regular good night stuff. And I, I was speaking with him and I was just digging into who he is and he began to open up and really just share his heart and I realized that my son is never going to be me and as a dad one of the things we fight and fear a lot especially with our sons is that are they going to be strong men are they going to be the men we want them to be and are they going to be like us and sometimes it's hard to see how much like us they are but my son is very different from me in a lot of ways. And there was a moment where he just began to tell me who he was. He opened up, and it was like he was brave enough to just tell me how he really saw himself and what he really loved and the things he's really interested in. And I just had the eyes of the Father, and really it was a, just an awakening for me because I just saw him for how the Father made him to be and how beautiful he was, just how he was made to be. And a love that I'd never felt for him came up in my heart. It wasn't a love that was a love given because of conditions, because he did something that made me proud or made me pleased. It was a love that loved him exactly where he was, even in, in his figuring out who he is. And my heart swelled for him, and he hugged me like he hadn't hugged me in a long time. And he looked up with a little quivering lip and a, tears in his eyes a little bit, and he said, Dad, I really like talking to you. And, uh, of course, I went to my room and just 
bawled my eyes out. I just wept, and I was like, Father, I want to love like you. Kind of a generic prayer. And the Lord just stopped me, and he said, no, I want you to love like you. And you know how when the Lord says something, it takes an hour to unpack one sentence? It's so rich. I got this sense that the Father was saying, Chris, I love the way that you love. (laughs) I don't want you to love with a generic Christian churchy love. Do you ever grow up hearing that phrase, well, the Christian thing to do? And I I tell you, the Lord, it shocked me. I said, Lord, I saw him. What I did was I actually found a spot in the Father's heart, and I discovered through loving my son how the Father really sees us. He says, no, Chris, I actually am enjoying watching you learn to love your son, who's completely different than you, you know. He said, I love to watch you love. I love to watch you discover what my love is really like. But it's a love that you can actually own. It's a love that you can own. It's a love that's yours. It's unique. Your love is unique. And can I tell you guys something? Your love is not a generic sound that the Lord has heard for thousands of years. Your love song to him, when you worship him, he doesn't just go, oh, I've heard this song before. Oh, I've heard... I've heard this voice before. Oh, well, this person sings it good, but not as good as so-and-so. When the Father hears your voice, do you know that it moves his heart in a completely new way that he's never felt before? You know why I know that is because there's never been another you. And when you go, there'll never be another you. There's no person on planet Earth with the same DNA that you have. You're completely unique among billions of people. There's never been another you. There'll never be another you. So when you sing and you put your love song on the Father and you wash him in your love, it moves his heart in a way that he's never experienced before. Think of the power that you have over the Lord's heart. (laughs) He's so powerful, but yet he's so moved by you. So, Lord, we just sing our love to you. I want to sing a love song to the Father, and I want you to sing your love song to the Father. Just say this. I can't get enough I can't get enough Your
There's a pure and undefiled religion when I'm walking with you, Jesus. Cause you are the blessed hope. You are the risen sun. There are witnesses of resurrection and the calling everyone to walk the narrow
Jesus, we just thank you. You make it so easy to just come. Just come. Just come and be with you. Because you're already here. You're already right here. You're already right here. was sharing earlier I had been thinking of children also and um, how much we are called to be like children when some people were coming to Jesus and they were uh, bringing children and then the disciples were trying to do the right religious thing and and do what they thought they were supposed to do to please Jesus he said oh no not now this might be too messy and too out of order. He said, oh, hinder not the little children to come to me. And you know, those aren't just children in age. That's us. We are those children. To them belongs the kingdom of heaven. That's you and me. That's our childlike hearts. In each side, each and every one of you, there is a childlike heart. You're not supposed to have all the answers. You're not supposed to do all the right things and have everything in order. Just come to Him like a child. Your true self who you really are. That's all he asks. Because as you do that, as you unfold unto him, he unfolds the fullness of himself into you. never lost it's never lost we might cover it up a little bit because we think we're supposed to we think we're supposed to get everything in order it's right in there it's right in there years ago I had a vision actually it was it was about San Francisco. It was about this beautiful green grassy lawn. I'm not quite sure where it was. But there were all these people on this green grassy lawn. There were children, there were dancers, and then this huge storm came in of clouds and lightning and thunder and it started to rain. And it was like the adults weren't quite so sure about this they weren't quite so sure and I realized what that storm was was the presence of God coming with his glory with his honor with his power with his goodness and we didn't all know what to do with that but the dancers and the children (laughs) they ran out onto the grass and they started receiving the rain as it came down with glee with joy with open hearts 
we welcome the fullness of who he is, even if we don't understand it, because he's God. He's so good. He's so holy. He's so kind. Always raining down upon us. His good, good, good presence. And I was reminded of my own, my own grandchildren, too. <laughs> what it's like to be with them, because they just are themselves. Wholehearted, open. And I remember the first time, oh, I think it was my oldest granddaughter, maybe she was about, she was about two, three. And we'd gone to the little water park, and I was taking her back home in the stroller. And she looked at me, and she said, this is the best day ever. Now, she has said that actually a bunch of times since then, so it wasn't just about me, but this is what I wanted to say about that. It wasn't a day that she won her football game or her soccer game, or it wasn't even a day the 49ers won. It wasn't a day she got an A on her report card. It was a day of being of being herself, of connection, of play, of wonder and awe. So I am going to ask you, God, that wherever maybe we have left that behind, even a little bit, you would res restore that place in each and every one of us. That it's not about trying to make something happen or what things are going to look like. It's all about that connection being with, enjoying, <laughs> delighting in you as you delight in us, <laughs> and that is enough. That is the main event, just like we've been doing tonight. I just bless you all just to continue walking in that, and may any God, any Mm, shame, unworthiness, any performance just be shed off of us tonight, God. There's only one thing. There's only one thing. One day, God, in your courts. One thing, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You lowered the bar. You totally lowered the bar. It is all we got to do is open up. You're already there, Jesus. Thank you, God. <laughs> so, so good. You're so good. I'm going to say it just one more time. Hinder not the little children to come unto me, for to you is given the kingdom of heaven and all the fullness of being with him in that. Bless you.
So we're going to um, go ahead and transition and take some communion. So I think um, if you want to make it back to your chairs, you should have a little communion set. And Diane's going to go ahead and lead us in that. Hi, everybody. I'm Diane. Hello. Hello, friends. All right, I'm just going to, so I can see all your shining faces here. <laughs> um, we're going to be taking communion, so if you have your communion um, little, wonderful little cups, if not, there should be some on the seats um, near you or around you, okay? Wow. I just have to take a moment right here because the spirit is really moving right now. And uh, he's, he's just, he's really tenderizing hearts right now. I could feel it, all of your hearts. Um, so before I begin um, leading into communion, I wanted to tell a story um, that happened to me probably... Um, Last year, sometime, um, maybe in the spring or in the summer, but um, it's been a while. And I just wanted to tell you what happens to me does not happen to me very often. And I was in my city when it happened. Okay. Um, so I was taking a walk, and um, I was walking towards my car, which was probably about five blocks away. And I was walking past um, a side parking lot. And I was talking to a friend on the phone, and I had my earbuds on. And all of a sudden, I heard these racial derogatory sounds, words coming at me. Okay, there's nobody else around. And, I, and I, I'm thinking, okay, I'm talking to my friend. But they were, they were just it was loud enough that I can hear it through my, my earbuds. And all of a sudden, I look, and there's a man, and he's staring at me, and he's throwing these words at me. Um, and I didn't know what to do. I did not know what to do, you guys. There was nobody else in the parking lot. And so what I did was I, I, I said, I got to get out of here. And so I ran, I, I, I ran as fast as I could. I got out of the parking lot. And I had to walk like five blocks. And that whole time for five blocks, I was in shock. I didn't know what happened to me. I made it to my car. When I get in the car, um, I, was on, I was on the phone with my friend, and then I got off, and in the car, I, I was like, I couldn't even think. Um, I was in confusion. And I, I was like, you know, God, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this, you know? What's going on? And I started to just like, didn't know what to do. <sighs> and I became fearful. And I saw his words, and they were like arrows hitting me. Intimidation. It's trying to overpower me. And I could feel. I said, oh my gosh, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't go here, you know. And so then, in that moment, I asked the Holy Spirit. I said, Holy Spirit. Would you break the trauma off of me? Because I was going into trauma. I, had, I was suffering from that. 
I don't know if any of you have had trauma, but you know, you go into shock, you just can't think. And so, Holy Spirit came upon me and released me from that trauma. Okay? Praise God, yeah. But then, I started processing what happened to me, and I got mad. Okay, I'm being, I'm being real with you guys. I wanted to slap that man's face. I was so mad, you know. And I started to think of every way vengeance was going to come out. This, this guy, this guy deserves this. This guy deserves that, you know. Da 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 da. Right? I start thinking that way. And then I was like, okay, I, I felt this anger. Those and there's righteous anger, right? When somebody does something wrong against you, you have the right to be angry, all right? God understands that because he did something wrong to me. However, this anger started to fester, and this anger started to take over my heart. This anger started taking over my mind and my soul, and I could feel it. And I said, okay, Lord, I know where this is going, because if I hold on to this anger, because I want justice, what's going to happen is it's going to become bitter, bitterness, and it's going to become a root. And if I let that happen, then what has happened to me is going to win. It's, it's going to take control over my life. I'm going to lose the hope that you've given me. And I'm going to be making decisions out of this place of judgment and bitterness. And I said, I, I don't want that. I don't want that. So in Romans 12, um, 19, it says, Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge, but leave that to God's righteous justice. For the scripture says, if you don't take justice in your own hands, I will release justice for you, says the Lord. So what I did was, I said, okay, Lord, I need to forgive this man. I need to do it now. This is all happening in my car, you guys because I didn't even think I could drive home, okay? So, um, so I said, okay, please help me to forgive this man right now. And what I saw was I saw Jesus on the cross. He was bleeding. And I heard him say, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. And then in that moment, I said, Jesus, you were mocked. You were despised. You were discriminated against. And you forgave the people. You forgave them on that cross with all the suffering and pain that you had. In that moment. And then I saw that man at the, at the foot of the cross. And the Lord was looking at him. And I said, okay, Lord, you're loving me, showing me in a tender, loving way that what you did for me on that cross, forgiving me, you forgive him too. And I give up my right and I give it up. I am not going to hold on to this any longer. 
So Lord, help me to forgive this man. And I, I really felt like this weight was lifted off and I was able to drive home. But on the way home, I was able to think about this man and my heart started to have some compassion for him because I knew he was in bondage. I knew it. And I said, Lord, you have freed me. What you did on the cross, you freed us all. And this man, this man does not know who he is in you. He does not know he is the beloved. And that's why what he did is what he did. But he will know it. He will know it because as you chased after me, as you ran after me all these years, and I finally turned around and said, yes, 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 I am your daughter. I am your beloved. He will know it too. And everybody else does not know the Lord is going to know this too. And so I was able to pray from that part of me, from that, that because the Lord has, had just taken me and he was just holding me. And I felt like, okay, Lord, okay, Lord, this is, this is, this is where we're supposed to live from. And this is how we're going to see people and love people. So a couple weeks later, I went back to that same parking lot. And what I did was I asked the Lord to release his presence, his peace, his glory. I asked the Lord to release his angels over there. I asked the Lord, I said, your presence is what this place needs. And that is part of his justice. That is part of his justice. And so I'd like you um, right now just to, um, if you want to, to close your eyes. And I'm going to encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit if there's somebody that he wants to bring to your mind that he wants to help you to go through forgiveness with. And for some of you or a few of you, I kind of feel like it's yourself. You need to forgive yourself. Go ahead and ask Holy Spirit. And there's um, some of you right now that there's some trauma attached to the person or what the person did to you. And if there is, I encourage you right now to look at the face of Jesus and to release it, release it to him, to his heart. Just release it. As you're being led by the Holy Spirit to go ahead and forgive.
Thank you, Jesus. The ultimate savior. The blessed redeemer. We thank you. We thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus. I encourage you now, if you have your communion, Start with the bread. This is from Mark 14. And as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. And he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this, take this bread, for this is my body. This is the bread of life. Do this in remembrance of me. Then Jesus took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. Thank you, Jesus, for your forever covenant between us and you. We are your beloved. Thank you so much what you did on the cross. Thank you for resurrecting three days later and giving us, giving us vibrant, everlasting life so we can now go and share this great news that everybody is your beloved. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Diane. That was so good. Wow, Jesus. Thank you, God. I don't know about you, but there was something that reminded me this week where somebody sort of slighted me. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, we'll totally take that, to completely release that to Jesus. So good. Um, oh, I'm so glad you are all here today worshiping with you. I am Susan. I'm one of the elders here at Blazing Fire. Um, yeah, it's, it's so good. been so rich. And I know Chris is going to share more in a little while. Um, but before we do that, we wanted to share a little bit about an event we had last weekend. I know many of you knew about this. Um, <laughs> for about, mm, I think it's about 15 years. Um, Blazing Fire's been going, um, and, and some other folks as well, um, to a New Age festival, which used to be in San Francisco. More recently, it's been San Mateo. Didn't happen during the pandemic, but we did that last weekend. And it is so wonderful to just go and to be able to love these ones who are searching. My conviction, having talked to a lot of such folks over the years is 
Every single man, woman, and child wants to know they are loved. They'll look for it lots of different places, and they'll look for substitutes, <laughs> but it never really satisfies. So, um, I wanted to invite a couple of my team members to share some stories from last weekend. Um, it had about, I think, 12 of us there, and it just I will say this. I think everyone that came in the te- into, the te- into the little booth felt very well loved. And one thing that happened this year that I'm not sure happened any other year was we had several that said, do you guys follow Jesus? They literally asked us on their way in, and you're going, not sure why they're going to a New Age festival looking for Jesus followers, but there we were, and we were able to love them. Um, But anyway, Stephen, why don't you come on up and share? And I also want to say a thank you to any of you who were intercessors. Thank you for your prayers while we were there in the booth. In fact, if you were an intercessor or on the team, why don't you just stand up real quick? Just real quick. I know this is just a portion of them, but you guys were amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you for letting me share. I experienced hearing God's voice in a real different way because you know we're told Jesus speaks to us all the time we just gotta listen well there was a gentleman that came when Bill and I were together we were always switching partners but we were together for this and a gentleman from he must be from Pakistan or India I, I don't remember his name But as we sat there, we would take a few minutes to just listen to the Lord. And we instructed the person with us that we want to hear what God has to say for you. Excuse me. Creator God wants to say to you. And we were listening, and I kept hearing the word royalty. I go, okay, royalty. What about royalty? (laughs) I just blurted out, no, just... Tell him he is royalty to me. So I did. Okay, I want to make sure I'm not doing, listening to myself. But I heard the Lord share that with me. And as I was sharing this with him, he stopped me and said, You know, my native name in English means royalty. I said, Oh. Yeah, I said, thank you, Jesus. I'm glad I spoke out what you said. And then from there, I began to have the freedom to share Bible verses in a way that it didn't sound like church or Jesus, or, but it was coming from the creator, creator of light, creator God. And I told him that you are royalty in his sight, and you're special to him. He's put a ring on your finger, he's put a robe on your back, and he puts sandals on your feet and says, you are my son. And he just sat there looking at us, and he left really happy. Thank you. And my husband, Russ, would you come up and share your story? 
This was probably the most moving encounter I had. It was Sunday morning, and um, an older woman came by, and she looked at me, and she said, "You know, what is your, what, what is your source?" And I said, "We we follow Jesus. We love Jesus. We 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 love God and we love people." And um, and she looked so relieved, and she kind of gently put her hand on you know my shoulder and and said, I really feel like I need, I need something, and I have to go back to my booth. She was, she was helping another woman with her booth, but I, I'm going to come back, and, and she did, and uh, Ellie was with me. How many of you know Elizabeth? Yes, I see that hand, Sarah, <laughs> and um, she said, I just feel like I need to let down and weep. It's just been so hard. It's been so hard. But she was so relieved that we knew Jesus. And so uh, we sat down, and she got as close as she could to me, and she put her head on my shoulder, and she just started to weep. And, and uh, Ellie was blessing that, and, and I occasionally felt like I had something to encourage her with about how much God loves her. And... Anyway, I, I can't quite convey it. Maybe the Holy Spirit's conveying it to you. <clears throat> and uh, she asked us to keep track of time, and we, we told her it went before it was time so she would meet her obligations, her, her promises. And um, she said thank you, and she left. And it was one of those things where you just wanted to take that person. Have you ever had those encounters? You just want to take the person home with you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So could we just pray for her for a moment? Yeah. Yeah. Father, you know this woman, and she's your daughter. And she's so brokenhearted that that encounter was just, was just a little bit of what she needs. She needs so much more. And we, we agree together that all that you have for her will be, she will be able to receive. It's, that you would open up heaven and pour down love and comfort and healing, restoration, all, all, all because of Jesus, all because of Jesus. Amen. So thank you, um, Susan, especially for carrying this heart. I know both Susan and Russ together, but Susan is um, oversees our inner healing ministry and uh, has trained so many people through the years, but also she's the one that just keeps encouraging us, getting us out into the places where we're, where we're meeting with people who need, who need the, uh, the love and the healing. So thank you, Susan. Um, and speaking of that, uh, next week is uh, Bill Dew's going to be with us. And yeah, there he is. Um, and so, right here in this building at uh, one o'clock is going to be a several hours, like one to four, is going to be a training time. 
And I guarantee you, because I know Bill very well through many, many years, it will be hands-on. We're going to be praying for each other for sure. And there's going to be a lot of healings. <laughs> it just always happens. And um, so maybe you need healing for something. Come back and get prayed for. But maybe you could be as excited as this little one uh, to, to actually um, go pray for people. Like sometimes we just need, like most of us in this room probably know that healing is, is part of our inheritance from Jesus. And um, many, maybe a lot of you have prayed for people and seen them healed. But sometimes uh, we get in a place where that just kind of, kind of forget about that or we leave it for sometimes years at a time and sometimes when we leave it for a while it's hard to jump jump back in this would be a great way to jump back in just just uh, it will be very non-threatening just come and learn some things bill will he'll he'll basically teach us a little you know step by step so it's not like you're going to be thrown out there and say yeah heal uh heal people um so anyway all that's to say one o'clock here for a couple hours one to four and then he's also going to be back for our evening service next Saturday right here at 6. So do consider that. Um, what else? Let's talk about um, ways you can give tonight for uh, offering if you have a gift. I'm going to start with Blazing Fires. Yeah. So these are different ways that you can give to Blazing Fires. So if you would like to support us, we greatly appreciate it. And there's an offering box in the back right when you first walked in that you can put things in as well as other ways that are up there on the screen. If, there's two other things. If you want to tonight bless Chris, uh, we, we will bless Chris regardless uh, just because we love to do that to, for people that come and, and share. But specifically, if you're like really blessed by Chris tonight and you just want to add on to what, whatever that is that we give him, then um, with your offering in these ways, Make sure to put on the memo or somewhere it's for the guest. That's the key word, guest. And we'll know. We are really smart to know what comes in tonight for the guest is for Chris. You can put Chris if you want, I guess. But guest is probably better. Okay? Um, that's the second thing, if you wanted to. And the third, and, and Suzanne, maybe you can put up the, do you have the one for the sound? Chris is going to talk a little, oh, the sound. 22.com. I have no idea if that's the, does anybody know what, if that's the one where people can give? I don't know. Um, Who's got a phone to tell us? (laughs) Oh, there we go. So register, be a sponsor. There we go. Or volunteer. So um, what would be really good is at the end of tonight, if we remember, is put that back up on the screen as, as well, like just sometime later towards the end. But um, if you want to put your phones up and grab that, you can. So uh, the sound is, um, as you can see, is going to be a three-day event. There we go. In, we'll go back to the other slide in a minute. Um, three-day event, 14, 15, 16 of July in San Francisco. We do have friends here um, from San Francisco even tonight. Uh, Chris Yeh from uh, Revive. And uh, we have, uh, I know that earlier... Chris was at Magnify. That's Ben Dionda's group. Tomorrow morning, he's going to be revived. Tomorrow night, he's going to be um, at Infusion right here. So it's a bunch of us that are in relationship already, leaders, um, collectively and kind of spearheaded by Revive in San Francisco, are um, hosting Chris to come and do a several-day event. But it's much more than Chris. Um, he's going to do some worship leading, and uh, but there's also... 
there's a lot going on, like actually too much. Do you, Amy, do you want to talk about it or JC real quick? Okay, tell us, yeah, give us just a, a couple minutes because I'm, you know way more than me what's going on. Yeah. I'll keep it brief, but we're calling it a mission weekend in San Francisco. So I feel like that really gives a good picture of what we're doing. We're calling people to come to San Francisco to immerse the city in prayer and worship. Um, and so we would love for anyone here who felt led to come out and be a part to come. Um, we're going to have teachings. We're going to equip people in prayer, worship, and evangelism. Um, so we're going to have sessions Thursday night for that, Friday morning for that. And then Friday, we're going to go out. We're bringing in um, Mondo Matthews from Ekbalo. And um, well, we have some people who know him um, from down south. And then we're bringing in Roger Joyners, Chris Burns, um, some more. We're waiting for the Lord to open the door. You guys are prayer warriors here too, so pray into it um, with us because we are not totally sure everyone who's going to come yet. Um, we've had a lot of closed doors, but we really believe it's because God has someone very strategic, um, a strategic plan for it. It really just feels like this is the Lord's thing. Every People who are a part of it have come to us to want to come and be part. It's been really beautiful. So just be praying into it with us that all the pieces would just come together um, we're believing God's going to open the doors for it. But we're going to go do prayer and worship strikes all throughout San Francisco. Um, we're going to end Friday night with a um, like revival service. Saturday, we're going to be at the Bandshell Music Concourse, Golden Gate Park, by the museums, if anyone's familiar with that. So we're really excited with that. We've actually had a lot of favor with the city, too. It's been, like Chris remembers, from 2017 when I helped him do the event, it was just hard. <laughs> It was hard, and I don't think we got a venue until like 30 days before the event, right, with Parks and Rec. It was something like that, and we had been trying and trying. It was just easy this year, and my husband, JC, had a word. He said, there's going to be grace and ease on it this year because I was so hesitant to say yes to doing it again, <laughs> And but the Lord was like, no, you know, do it, and it's just been so grace-filled and so easy, and so we're just really thankful. We've had favor with Parks and Rec with the production coordinator, of the music concourse. So it feels like an opportunity to sow into the city and to be a light to San Francisco. Um, the, I don't know how much they're, they've seen people just come and do worship open air in San Francisco Golden Gate Park. So it's gonna be beautiful too, cause that area on the 16th, people are just flood, families flood that area, people flood that area. We don't really have to do much promoting to get people to come who aren't from the church. A lot of people are just going to show up because that's where people go. They have food trucks out there. They have a Ferris wheel. Um, I had a vision that it was going to be like a Jesus festival. And so we're really believing for that to happen. Um, and another fun testimony is that we had the word for a Jesus festival and the music concourse pretty much puts on um, a festival like that's kind of what they want it to be it was originally created for the world fair to be hosted in that area and they never had it but that's why there's a ferris wheel food trucks and they s still kind of maintain that vision and we didn't know that till after the lord really showed us to have it there at the band shell we ended up miraculously getting the dates that we wanted it was a total god thing and so we're just really excited. We just feel the breath of God on it. Um, I know Chris was saying a lot today. We're not 100% what all the pieces are going to look like yet. But that's why it's so fun because we're just doing it with Jesus. It's his thing. And the mystery is so fun because it's like, okay, Lord, like you have stuff up your sleeve. And we're excited that we don't have to figure it all out because you're going to do something. Um, and then Sunday, we're going to have uh, a service at Revive. 
And afterwards, we're going to go out to Hippie Hill, which is going to be fun. We'll be out there all day praying, worshiping, um, ministering. And I also believe that CFAN, um, we're pretty for certain, Christ for All Nations, um, is going to be coming out and bringing their evangelist team out to come partner with us, which will also be really fun because they are some fiery evangelists, and they're going to train and equip people and bring people out to minister the gospel too. So we're super excited, and we love Blazing Fire. We love Brent and Suzanne and just you guys' heart. It's You guys are family to us. So we wanted to invite you guys to come and just be part of what we're doing. So um, with this slide, the three things you can do, um, you can register for the event in general if you want to come be part of the Mission Weekend. Um, you can volunteer for the main event on the 16th. We're actually not like advertising it through the sound, but we're also doing a vacation Bible school. So if anyone here works with children um, at to any capacity, let us know because we're actually looking for workers and volunteers in the vacation Bible school we're going to have. Um, so you can, I don't know how you could do that actually, but maybe just come up to me if you want to do that. And then, um, you can also be a sponsor for give a hundred dollars or more just donation, which will give you access to the event, the full mission weekend. Um, you'll get one of Chris's new books and you'll get a shirt. And so just kind of a fun kind of, I don't know if you guys know Kickstarter, but we kind of got the idea to do it that. So I think that's it. But um, if you guys don't know, those are QR codes. So you can pull out your phone, which you go to your photo setting on your phone. Just scan it over it, and uh, it'll pop up with a link. I'm also, I left them in my car, but I'm going to pull out, like, a paper version of this and put it on the back table. It's a lot easier to scan from a paper than from the screen. So I'll put them on the back table. You guys can go back there or just go to thesound22.com, and everything is on there to volunteer, donate. If you have any questions, feel free to come up and ask. So, thanks, guys. Thank you. Good job. No, that was great. Keep it up there. One second. I so I so <laughs> I so appreciate you, Amy, because if you're if you're anywhere close to my age, um, you you really don't know what those are. And then and then people say, oh yeah, and you put your camera up, and then you take a picture of it, and all you're going to get is a picture of that, which is not how it works. So when your camera goes up there, then a little thing scrolls down from the top, and you click on that thing that scrolls down. And that takes you to a website. Got it? Okay. For people my age, that's what you do. All right. For, the, for you young ones, you can stop rolling your eyes now. I'm done. Okay? All right. So um, <laughs> you have to be patient with us. This is the body of Christ. We're family. Okay. We are children. There's a whole story around that, but I would rather have Chris up here than tell my story. So... Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, Chris, I, I know I met you before you came to the sun last time because you came out. I remember we were in groups. I, me- I think we were around coffee like at a Starbucks and starting to tell the stories about the Bay Area and getting all jazzed. And man, the thing is, is I fell in love with you. I fell in love with this guy and his heart. And so yeah. <laughs> He's, he said, same. Wait, I didn't fall in love with myself. Yeah, anyway. So... Um, <clears throat> Anyway, but uh, Chris and I have maintained contact, and so Amy, when you invited us wherever Amy went, I was just thrilled um, to say yes, we would love that, and then just reconnecting with you last week and tonight for dinner, love your heart, and one thing I told Chris as I said, man, we value vulnerability here, we really do, like, 
The last thing any of us wants is to have to put a face on and try to do it the right way and make everybody happy. And like, no, just be you, be genuine, and, and share what's really going on inside of your heart. So would you welcome Chris Burns? Love you too. Oh no, I'm fine. Thank you guys. Hey, I'm not going to take a ton of your time tonight. Really, I'm not. Um, that's that, but I will say that's a bad sign that I'm saying that. Because when I've said that, that typically means, you know, three hours later and you're sitting here. Um, <laughs> hey, guys, uh, listen, I want to tell you about this before I jump in because I, I, I'm really, it's very weird for me because I'm really not here to, I feel like I'm not here to promote anything. I'm here to be with family. I love Brent and Suzanne. I mean, honestly, have ever since we came and we, when we moved in 2016, you know, I, for those of you who don't know, me and my wife, our children, my three kids, we moved to, um, we lived in the Berkeley, Oakland area. And, um, you know, obviously we're in the city and uh, these guys were just some of the first to just see God on us, I think. You know, um, I, I still don't know why you agreed to like support what we were doing. You know, this new guy comes, I really don't. I mean, new guy comes in the city and, you know, full of zeal and a word of the Lord. And, and it was the Lord and it really was God. It was the word of God. Uh, but just to have the um, humility to be able to see a young guy and say, man, I'm going to get behind this guy. Not because you even... Um, believed in maybe everything I was doing, but you at least knew that God was on it and, and you saw God in me and thank you for that. And I've always honored you as a, as a father and, and you and Susanna, the father and mother in the Bay area. And so it's just beautiful to be here. Thank you. I will say this though. Um, you know, I, I did put out a book recently. Um, you know, it kind of is like Mox Nicks because they said, if you like do the hundred dollar thing to get in for the sound, you get a book anyway you know, don't listen to that. You know, you want the book now, you know, you don't want it later. You don't want to do, you don't want to be one of those that misses out. Um, I'm a, I'm a horrible salesman too. I, I, I was sitting with a business guy yesterday, like, and like, he's a total business guy, goes to my church. Um, we are pastoring in new Orleans and, uh, that's another thing. So that's really what I'll be talking. You're like, yeah, don't cheer. I don't want you to cheer for that. Uh, I didn't ask for this, okay? I didn't ask for this, so don't applaud it. Uh, <laughs> but I finally said yes, right? We surrendered. I, you know, he had to beat me down until I finally said yes. But I will say, uh, yeah, he, this business guy was with me last night. Uh, he was hanging out. We had some people at our house, and he said, Chris, if you just would promote yourself more, your books, your CDs, he's like, what are you doing? You could just be all over. What are you doing? I'm like, dude. The Lord wired me a certain way. I cannot do that. It's, it grieves me. It goes against my hardwiring to like promote myself. But I've come to a place in this regard where I do believe in this book, man. For those of you here, I wrote this book called The Priesthood. Four to five years of just really my, my story in a way and Christ living his life out of my story. Cause that's really what this all is for all of us is learning that it's really not about your dreams, your destiny. It, it is, but it's not right in the beginning. It's almost like the Lord gets us in the door. Like I have a call on your life. There's hope for you. You're going to be used, but it really, I've come to find that God didn't save us to use us. He saved us for union. 
They're, this is the point. It's not, hey, I'm going to get you so I can use you. It's like, no, 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 no. It's, it's so I can have union with Christ. This is the whole point. So it's, it's no longer I who live. Um, it's Christ living his life through me. And this is just a small, little, tiny drop in the bucket of Jesus living his life through me. That's what it is. The priesthood is a book about worship. It's about how I feel a lot of the worship movement has, we've lost our way in in what worship has become. And I think it's a return to purity. There's also a lot of great Trinitarian, you know, Christological sound stuff in here too. So I, I was glad to be able to, I think, bring some of that in because, man, once a few years ago, I started diving into this the, the, the Jesus movement thing we've all heard about, I, I, I totally believe there's a Jesus movement. I just don't think it looks anything like the last Jesus movement. I think it's a Jesus movement that where the church gets a revelation of what Jesus has done to us, for us, and as us. So that's, that's what I think the Jesus movement is. It's actually, you know, like Jesus uh, is, is becoming central in everything we do. I mean, there's so much untapped goodness um, that the church, I believe, is going to discover. And, and I believe it will affect our worship, and I think it'll affect everything that we do. And so I do believe in this. Um, I actually lost this book. I, I was about 80% done with this book, and... Um, I was, I guess it was now about a year and a half ago, almost done, 80, 85%. And you know, when I'm writing, I'm not just like writing down stuff and done it. It's this long, laborious, you know, there's study involved and, you know, you're praying and you're like, I would pray for hours and then kind of get into that vein of writing. And I lost like probably 50 to 60% of the book, just lost it. Couldn't figure it out. Something on the hard drive, the iCloud. And I know if you're a tech nerd in here, don't you dare come at me because yes, I did everything that I was supposed to do. Yes, I went to computergeeks.com, whatever. I did the, the whole thing. They couldn't recover it. I don't know what happened, but what's funny is my wife and I had a conversation. I was so gutted when I lost the book, you know, because you're just like, all this work, it's gone. Like, I, how do you tap back into inspiration? It's so hard to do that. I was gutted. It knocked the breath out of me. I said, I don't even know if I'll ever finish it. And I was having a discussion with my wife about some of the book. And she said, honey, you know, I feel like you may have gotten off a little because so much of what you're talking about, it, it feels very... Like the, the, the priesthood, is, you're coming from a place of duty and obligation and like it's a vocation. And I think it was funny because the Lord then took me on this real journey of like understanding, you know, really who I am, who he is, and just getting it tied so much together. So the book was, was for a reason, I feel like that, that had to happen. At least God used it for good. And so I am super, super happy. It's sure to offend you. I mean, if you get to the, if you make it to the end and you read some of my little eschatological nuggets, you're going to be so offended at how so, but we're not going to talk about end time stuff tonight because I want to come back at some point. And so <laughs> what's that? I thought Brent was like, you're done. Go ahead and go. Um, yeah. If you're going to talk end times here, I just... I have these crazy thoughts, you know, like I, I know that Jesus could come back at any time, but then there's the other part of me that's like, what if we're in the early church and there's another 8,000 years of human history? 
And then they might look, you're laughing, but like, what if this is the early church? What if we've got another 8,000 years of the human story left and they'll look back at us like we were the early church? I don't know. I just, I have these little thoughts because I, I feel like the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. I just don't think it's going to, you can't have spiritual results using natural weapons. So you know what I mean? We're not going to take America back for God, you know, with a sword. It's just not, that's not how the Lord does things. They, they wanted Jesus to do this, didn't they? They wanted Jesus to do this. Let me just go ahead and start, okay? Because I promise I'm going to be out of here. I'm two hours ahead of my body clock. So you guys got a, at max 30 minutes left of me. And I'm leaving. I'm going to drive to San Francisco. I'm going to get ice cream. And then I'm going to go to bed. I just want you guys to know what's happening. Um. I'm just not that spiritual, okay, as you. I can't stay here all night. Um, <laughs> but no, seriously, I got a little scripture. Really funny because, like, um, it, it's interesting. And I, I even said something to Brent on the phone the other day, and I said, I'm going to tweet that. That was good. You know, we want to change the world for God. And I said, God wants to change us for the world. And I think what I've found is I've been so, God has killed every bit of, at least in this current season, he's killed a lot of the, the way I identify myself in my relationship with him. And you know, you really don't know what you have until it's gone. And some things you can't see um, on the mountaintop, believe it or not. There's some things you just can't see. Uh, you know, fruit doesn't grow on the mountaintop. It grows in the valley. And so it's down in the valleys of life where you realize the Lord is shaping you. He's forming you. If you would go to Acts 1. Um, I guess no one brings their Bibles to church anymore, including me. Right, because I asked this, this, these sinners on this row right here. I was like, hey, girls, do you have a Bible I could borrow? And they're like, we got our phones. I'm like, you guys need to repent. Um, so anyway, and then here I am. I have my phone. But it's just interesting to me the way the Lord sees taking cities. Me and Brent were talking at dinner. We were talking about taking cities for God. So I want you to know this about my whole idea of when we talk about taking dominion for, for the kingdom. Can I, can I just say this? That the Lord does not take dominion the way we take dominion. The Lord doesn't come with a sword, does he? I mean, if you think about this, the entire messianic idea uh, for, the, for, for the Jews was that the Messiah would be who? The son of David, a great military leader. There's so much in the Old Testament scriptures that speak about the Messiah, but it comes under a paradigm they lived in and, and this is not a fault to them, but you need to understand this. It came from a paradigm of all of the great leaders of Israel and throughout their history. And they were warlike military generals. And they took ground and they were powerful and they made the nation of Israel great. Make Israel great again. And so they made the nation of Israel great. And so what happened was um, they... They, they, they come in and they, they have this idea of the Messiah. But there's a, if you don't understand this, that in their culture, the whole idea was it's going to be a military leader. He's going to be strong, mighty, and he will reestablish the kingdom like, and they're thinking kingdom, they're thinking their kingdom. 
their kingdom, right? Israel will be great again. The time of David and Solomon. We're going to rule over our enemies. We're going to be richer than everybody. We're going to, you know, have all of our territory. This is what the Messiah will do. The Messiah comes and like God often does with us in our life, we, we, we get really disappointed when he doesn't do what we want him to do. When the Messiah doesn't do the things we think he should do and in the timing and way we think he should, we get disappointed. So we have to ask ourselves, you know, do we want a God that looks like us or do we want to look like him? There's this beautiful line from a song. It says, I don't want to follow a God that's always on my side, trying to enshrine my own opinions and call it the divine. When the clouds come rolling in, who's really leading who? Do I want a God who looks like me or do I want to look like you? The truth of the matter is this, is that Jesus will disappoint you. And in the doorway of disappointment, you actually find out more of his actual character. And in doing so, you actually found out more about who you really are. Because the truth is, is you died. I don't know if you know this. You died and your life, this is the gospel, by the way. You died and your life is now hidden. It's a good old game of hide and seek. You gotta love it, right? And so you've died, your life is hidden. This is Colossians 3 for those of you who need the address. Colossians 3 says, you've died, set your mind on things above, for your life is now hidden in Christ in God. So it's hidden inside of God. So you really don't know who you are until you know who he is. Finding your identity really comes from finding out who he is. And so, you know, and I could even go further into that. It says, as he is revealed, you'll be revealed with him. When you get revelation of the character of Christ, you begin to discover who you really are called to be. And the truth of the matter is your destiny. Everyone's looking for their destiny. Everyone's thinking, what's my destiny? What's my calling? What's my purpose? I have awesome, good gospel news for you tonight. Your calling is to be conformed into the image of Jesus, the Son of God. That is the work of the Spirit, and He can do that in any situation, circumstance, or place you might find yourself, any job, any career. He can and will do that anywhere you are. So if you're like, man, I'm in a career or a job I don't really like, that's okay. That's okay. Jesus can still use that to form you into Christ. In fact, if you're feeling rather uncomfortable and irritable where you're at, and you're like, I got to get out of this place. I'm not doing good. Can't tell you how many people have come to me. I just got to get out of my job, pastor. I've got to get out because it's not good for my spiritual life. I just can't. I need to go into full-time ministry. Then I'll really soar for the Lord. I'm thinking, what you don't know is that God is going to kill you either way. Well, really, you know, trust me. And if you want to get into the ministry, he'll just do it quicker than you even are. He's doing it now. And he'll use Christians to do it to you because you're already dead. He's just in the process of trying to get you to know you're already dead and, you know, come into that, that identity, you know. And, and so we have to walk through sometimes these doorways of God not doing what we think he ought to so that we can discover who he really is. You know, and so I, I love Acts 1. They come to Jesus, and I love it because it's his post-resurrection. So the disciples have literally seen every miracle. They've seen these crazy, they've witnessed the Son of God in the earth. They've witnessed him die. Literally, they know he's dead in the tomb, and then they've, they're sitting with him, the resurrected Son of God. And they come to him, and this is what they say. 
<laughs> they come and they ask him this question. This is Acts chapter 1 and uh, is it 6? Yeah. And so this is what they do. They ask him when they had come together, verse 6, they said, Lord, is now the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, all right, dude, we've been walking with you this whole time. And if you didn't know, this is book of Acts. So we've got to wrap up the gospels right here. So here's the deal. What's going on? Are you now going to finally cut off Caesar's head, take over Rome, and establish Israel? Because they're under foreign rule. I mean, you might need to put yourself in that position real quick. Like, if you're a nation where your entire identity and culture and, and, and everything about who you are is under uh, an, another tyrannical empire, you want to be set free from that. And if this is really the Messiah, you know from the Old Testament scriptures, the Bible says this kingdom will be above every kingdom. This kingdom is going to be greater than every kingdom. It will increase. It will, there will be no end to its increase. So you, they're thinking, okay, come on, is, is now the time you're finally going to do what we've all been waiting on you to do? And once again, Jesus disappoints them. And this is what he says. And I feel like he could say this to the American church. I really do. I feel like we're asking the Lord, Lord, save America, save America, save America. And I, I, I feel this in my bones. If we're more concerned with saving America than Americans, we've missed the forest for the trees. If we're trying to save some ambiguous thing, God and country, you know, I'm, I love this nation. I thank God that, that we have the freedoms we do. I thank God that we're going to go in July in the middle of the city of San Francisco and, and, and have a family gathering and love on Jesus and love one another and let the world know that in the lie of his absence, we're bringing his presence. Where they believe there's no, no presence, where God is not, we come and we say, no, he is. He's here. He's among you, and you're beloved of God. That's the whole point. And so, so, but, but the thing about it is, is the American church, sometimes I feel like we, we ask these questions, we come, we say, you know, is now the time, God, you're going to bring revival to America, awaken, you're going to change everything in one fell swoop. And I feel like he could say this to us as he does in verse seven. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons, which the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. Now, this is what I feel like the Lord is saying. Before you're concerned about transforming your nation or your city, worry about you being transformed. Because if I can transform you, then you'll do more on accident than you did before on purpose. You'll be able to walk in accidental glory. Like, wow, that person just got healed. You know one thing I've learned about revival? I've learned this about revival. It has very little to do with me. Very little to do with me. And I know that might sound offensive because there is a yes required. And for those of you that don't know, I had the honor of leading a and participating in a years-long revival on Bourbon Street in the French Quarter in New Orleans. And uh, that's just the most recent thing that God has had us doing. And, um, you know, it was such a beautiful time, but I watched in that time, I was thinking, God, this is not, I was very well aware it was not happening because of me. It was only happening because I was saying yes to what the Father was doing. And a lot of people say they want revival. And I'm telling you, revival will come in and mess up everything. And it will cost everything. But yet, it's free. It's sovereign. It's like the Lord was doing something despite us all. 
And so I, I really feel like what I want to come with tonight is just read from the pages of my heart and tell you that I feel the Lord is doing a work in people. And maybe you're not in the same season as I am, but the Lord has led me down a path that has caused me to surrender in such a, a beautifully devastating way. <laughs> and so I remember when I went to New Orleans, the Lord was trying, you know, he was getting us to move. My wife was all about it. And I said, Lord, I do not want to move again. There's no way I'm moving to New Orleans. You can bring, you can literally transform the whole city. You can try to do whatever you want. I'm not going. I'm not moving there. And I told him, and I, I, I was moving forward because I couldn't deny the mountain of evidence that the Lord was getting me. You know, and he does that. He just drags you. He's like, come on, you, are you going to? And so finally I go to look at a house and the house was awesome and we had all this favor. And then, you know, I just said, God, I'm not doing this. And he gave me this scripture. He spoke to my spirit. He said this scripture from John, the last chapter of the book of John. He says, when you were older or when you were younger, he said, you went where you wished to go. And you dressed your own self and you went where you wanted to go. But when you're older, another will dress you and you'll go where you don't want to go. And I was like, on it. You know, like, and again, I'll tell you another thing. The Lord had to get me, y'all. He had to get me because, you know, my heart is, God, I want to, I want to be back in San Francisco. I want to be back in the Bay. I want to come. I want to do all this stuff. And the Lord, I had a dream, uh, actually <laughs> before moving to, I, I had a dream. I was on a couch with my wife. We were sitting in New Orleans in the bar where the revival was. And I had my phone and we were sitting on this little couch and my dad was sitting right across from us in the dream. And, um, I said, Danielle, I was showing her, I said, look, we're going to San Francisco once a month. We're just going to go once a month just because I'm just like so hungry to go back and pour in. I'm like, this is what we're going to do. And my dad leans up in the chair and says, were you going to ask me about that? And I woke up from the dream and I realized the guy who I thought was my dad was looked nothing like my dad. It was the father. I just knew the father was saying, son, I'm here. Do you, you want to be where I am? And of course, my answer is yes. What the Lord didn't do to me, and Lord, you're sneaky for this. You are, I'm just going to tell you in front of everybody here, Lord, I'm telling you, you're sneaky for this. He told me the John 20 scripture and, you know, where you were younger, you went where you wanted. When you're older, you'll go where you don't want to go, and someone else will, will dress you the whole thing. But the end of that scripture he left out until after my world started falling apart, uh, even more when we got there. It was like, God, you know, we, COVID hit, and we had to lay, lay down Bourbon Street. And the Lord said, you won't be the one to continue this thing. You built the foundation. You built the altar. Now you have to leave it to another. That was tough because I was like, oh, okay, I'll let it go. He's like, let it go. I'm like, there it is. You know, let it go. It's not your, I want you to lay this down. Okay, I'm laying it down. Okay, he's like, open it up. And he's prying my fingers open. And I lay it down. And, you know, I, I end up in this, this church that I never thought I'd be at. And it's, you want to talk about like completely different than anything you could imagine. I mean, it's a, it's just a very, very different place. And so uh, it's a wonderful place. It's a great place. But the whole idea was God was leading me into this thing. And just a lot of painful things happened. And God broke me and just a lot of tears and a lot of in for me and, and my wife. But it was also beautiful. God was revealing things in us and, and doing things in us. 
Um, I remember at one point I, I was about to leave the, um, I'm just going to get real transparent. So we're pastoring a, at a mega church that has multiple campuses. The church we're at has about 14,000 people. And so I'm pastoring a campus in New Orleans, but it's a video campus. And so when I tell you this, just know if you're like, what are you doing there? Take, ask God, don't ask me. Because I've already argued this with him for the last year, and this is not, okay, so we're just not even going to go there. You can talk with him about it. Um, I don't even have time to go into all the prophetic, like, I knew it was God. But anyway, uh, he, they called, they said, hey, you know, here's your schedule for 2022. You know, you're going to speak about five times this year. And I'm like, wait, I'm going to speak five times at the church I'm pastoring at? So you mean I have to, like, we're going to be doing all the pastoral stuff, but I don't actually get to teach? And they go, yeah, that's right. And I go, ah, oh, ah, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's actually super funny. So I was like, Danielle and I were like, this goes against everything we believe. This is just not right. This is not, this, this goes against my core belief. This goes against my core belief. I can't do this. God would never do this. God would never take us here. God would never put us in this place. Thank God for spiritual papas. Thank God for spiritual fathers. Uh, again, I can't go into all of it, but I called my spiritual father. I, I called him. I said, hey. I said, Papa Brad, listen, man. I said, this is, the, this is the deal. I said, I didn't sign up for this. This ain't right, man. And he said, well, did you sign up to do God's will or your will? I said, God's but this, this doesn't sound like God. He said, well, he said, if you want to do what God wants you to do, I think you're going to have to preach with your life instead of your mouth now. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Um, every Sunday ha has felt like a, 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 I'm bleeding out, you know, because it's like, it's not that, like, I feel like, you know, I deserve it or I'm better. It's just God has literally said in this season, you know, our pastors right now, when I see our pastors, and Danielle and I, she would tell you this if she were here, like, our hearts swell with these people because we have a supernatural love for them. I, I look at them and I go, I just want to serve you. I want to serve everything that's in your heart. So God has us in this place where, I'll be honest with you, I don't know in my adult life, I'm 35, I've been in ministry since I was three weeks saved at 19 years old. I, literally, I, I don't know life without ministry. And so I would have said, my identity's in Christ Jesus. That's my identity, it's not ministry. But you know, the Lord has had to reveal that really that, that wasn't true. Because for the first time in my life, I have very little ministry vision and my whole vision is this, is like, can I still burn for God when I don't have a message to preach on Sunday? Can I still burn for God when there's no ministry happening? You know, my life, I feel like, has been mirroring Daniel's. You know, Daniel, the book of Daniel, been getting so much from it. And Danielle, Danielle and I have been reading the book of Daniel, and it's like, here's this guy in a foreign land. You really find out the culture of your heart when you're in a place that looks nothing like that culture. It's easy to be around people who are like you and, and are, do things like you and see things like you, and I love that, and I, I believe in that. Don't you try to come up here and steal my thunder, okay? I love you. Just kidding. We had a thing earlier. We were kind of hanging. She's like, dude, seriously? Um, chill, bro. Um, and I just want to say, you know, I, I feel like I've been, I've been 
in a way, dying. But you know, it's a beautiful death. And what God's been doing in me is he's like, Chris, what you're doing, you're storing up grace for future seasons by, by, by surrendering to what I'm doing in your life right now. I guess my whole message tonight is really this. It's when you find yourself in a place you never thought you'd be, don't always presume that God's not in it because it doesn't look like what you thought your life was going to look like. Because God will take you places where you're like, I never in a million years thought I'd be here, but here I am, and God's there all along. And here's another little nugget for you. Jesus is in this church. He's in it. And you might say, well, God, I used to think in my 20s, God's not at those places. There's no way. They don't let have room for the Holy Spirit. Guess what? I was wrong. I was wrong. Jesus is with a lot of people you don't think he is. He's with a lot of people that you don't think. He's in a lot of places you don't think he's in. I found him in a bar on Bourbon Street. I found him there. I did. I found him in the mega church. I found him at the New Age festivals. I found him all over. He is not afraid to go places and be with people and meet them exactly where they're at. He's not afraid. He's so scandalous, he'll even introduce himself by a different name. I mean, yeah, he has a name. I don't want you to get theological with me here, but just think about this for proofs if you need the Bible. Jesus, the resurrected Christ, walked with people and never actually told them his name. The, road, the men on the road to Emmaus, are you familiar? How about this? I mean, Mary saw him a hundred times, but she, she thought he was the gardener because he looked so different. He was like, I won't allow you to know me by the flesh. You're gonna know me by the spirit. That's how the Lord operates. He said, you're going to know me by the voice, by the spirit. I won't allow you to just know me by what you've always seen me as. So when God presents himself, when he presents himself in a group of people or a place that you never thought he would, if you miss the Lord in that season, you're actually, you really are missing Jesus in that season. And how many times, guys, do we try to wiggle our way out of those hard places, don't we? We go, God's not in this, dude. I did not see this coming. If God told you everything that was going to happen in the prophetic, how it would look, you'd never go. You'd never do it because you would just say, there's no way I'm doing that. He does that to us because he loves us. He loves us, and, he, and, he, and he, he, he's trying to get us to, you know, to find him in that place. I want to read you a story that you all know. But I want to just, uh, you know, maybe twist it a little bit. I want you to know that your destiny is this. It's not about who, where you're going. It's really about who you're becoming. It's not about a place you're going to arrive to where you finally say, I'm here. This is it. This is it. I'm you know what? Heaven is now. Like, it's in the middle of the mess. It's in the middle of the mess. That's where it's at. I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to get theological with you, and I don't want to confuse you and be like, is this guy saying that there's not heaven? No, dude, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying heaven, you can experience the kingdom right now where you're at, in the middle of the mess, in the middle of the things that make no sense, in the middle of what in the world? Where is God in this? But he's there. And if you can find him there, you're going to get an authority that you didn't have before. This momentary light affliction is producing for you an eternal weight of glory. I just, that scripture in 2 Corinthians, 
Corinthians has been blasting my head off for like the last year. And I'll tell you why. Because we think trials are something that happens to us rather than recognizing that this thing is coming and it's working for us. It's not happening to me. It's happening for me. If you don't see that when you're in the middle of the, of the trial, you're going to get smoked because you're going to think, where's God in this? The goodness of God. I believe God is good. This doesn't seem good, so where's God? Listen, God works all things out for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The truth of the matter is this, guys, is we have to begin to find the Lord in circumstances in life that we've, we've not thought he was in. You know, and, and, and I, I just want to say the momentary light affliction, how long does it last? Well, it's momentary. How heavy is it? Well, compared with the glory that God's going to bring through it, that's going to rest on your life, it's literally a light affliction. What's it doing? It's producing something for you. What? A glory, but a weighty glory, and a weight of glory that will last how long? For eternity. James says it like this. Once you've been approved from the trial, the Lord will give you the crown of life. The very thing you're struggling with, the very thing you're walking through, there is actually authority that's going to be put on your life, not just for you, but it's actually going to be an authority that's on you for others. And, and this is the beautiful thing that the Lord does. When he walks us through a test, he brings us out on the other side and then gives us a part of himself, his authority, his anointing to us, and we share in it because we've walked through it with him. We've walked, we've been counted worthy to suffer with Christ, right? Even Jesus learned obedience, how? Through suffering. He learned obedience through suffering. I want to read the Good Samaritan story. I want to offend you if I can before we leave. Um, Jesus replied and said, and this is Luke 10, verse 30. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he encountered robbers. They stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. And by coincidence, a priest was going down on that road. When the priest saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw the man, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him. And when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them and he put him on his own animal and brought him to the hospital but he didn't have the right insurance so they sent him away just kidding making sure you're listening brought him to an inn and took care of him on the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said take care of them and whatever more you spend when i return i'll repay you jesus said which of these three do you think was a neighbor and they said the one who showed compassion we've all heard the story but it often escapes us because I, i've got to modernize it for you now listen sometimes we're so concerned about where we're going that we miss the ministry of Jesus right on our road. I remember going to, when I first started really traveling a lot, I was, I was traveling. See what's happening right now? No way you're getting out of here before 9 o'clock. So, um, <laughs> Jesus help me. I don't even want to be here. Till, I love you, and I love all you. But there is an ice cream store, uh, place in San Francisco. Y'all, it's fire. I just want you to know. It's calling my name, Shakunda Basse. I feel it. I started traveling early 20s. I remember getting flown places. Like the first place was like, I'd go, I'd lead worship. They'd give me a cheese pizza, 50 bucks. Not kidding. I was like, this 
is awesome. I don't know what I'm stumbling into, but they're going to let me worship, and they're going to, you know, and then, you know, later I found out uh, it, it's, it's not always like that. Sometimes they don't even give you the cheese pizza. But uh, I digress. I was going to this giant event. I think it was the biggest event we had done at that time, and it was a big, giant 15,000-person thing in this auditorium, and we were going to lead worship. And I remember going to that thing for the first time, there was a woman on the street, a homeless lady, and my heart was so moved to just minister to this lady. And we stopped on the way to the venue and ministered to the lady and just poured into her. And I remember the voice of the Lord coming to me in that time, and it was so impactful. It, It really set something in my heart for even up until today. And it was this. He said, Chris, what you just did was the most powerful act of ministry you'll do the entire weekend. So I already knew in the Lord's eyes, I had already done the biggest thing I would do that weekend. I got up and led worship for the 15,000 people. I was like, is that it? Because you know, the things you think are going to fulfill you, can I tell you something? They really will not fulfill you. And if you don't believe that, just ask all the depressed influencers on Instagram. If you really don't, if you think what, what's going to really fulfill your heart is this thing, ask every celebrity who has all the money and the fame in the world, and they're, they're miserable. You know, because the truth is, what you think's going to fulfill you will leave you even emptier, because you'll go, oh, I've hit the place, now what? And I feel like so many times, especially for younger people too, there's this thing where we go, I'm, I'm going to a place, I'm going to a place, I'm going somewhere, I'm going to a place. And we're so concerned and consumed with our own destiny, which really becomes an idol, doesn't it? Because the only destiny all of us really have is the destiny to be conformed into the image of the Son. This is the destiny of all humankind, is to be conformed into the image of Jesus. Every Everything around that is like, cool, all right, you, you did this for God. You did that for God. You know, working for God is like taking the trash out with your four-year-old. It's like, you want to help daddy take out the trash? Come on. If you took Isabel right now, had her help you take out the trash, she's going to put her hand on the bag and walk the trash bag out. She's not going to help at all, at all. But in her mind, she's like, you're lucky I'm doing this for you right now. You're lucky. You're lucky I'm feeling good tonight. I hope you take a trash out. You know, and like really, really the kid's not doing anything. That's a perfect example of what the Lord does with us. We think we're helping the Lord out. And he, he's like, it's really more trouble when you try to help me, but I love you. You know what I mean? My wife lets our kids do way too much in the kitchen. Like, I don't, I don't have that patience. I'm like, we're making dinner. I want to eat. My wife's over here like, okay, yeah, but too much flour. Oh, did you scratch your finger? Come here. I'm like, we're not eating till 10 o'clock at night tonight. <laughs> the heart of God is that. The heart of God's like, you know, I just picture the Lord's like, this is going to take way longer if we use them. But that's what love does, you know. Love's not about going fast and getting it done. Love says, it's about us doing it together. That's what love says. That's family. I love the story of the Samaritan because it, you see two people, the priest and the Levite, who in those days would have been the most spiritual of spiritual, right? The most spiritual people. You could say the apostle and the pastor. They're on their way to the ministry meeting. So a guy gets beaten, left half for dead. And I don't know if that moth is from the Lord or the enemy. And we're talking about seeing Jesus. And I'm like, Lord, 
are you doing something, or do I need to bind that moth right now? Um, I bind you, moth. If it didn't bind, it's the Lord. Okay, moving on. <laughs> so, you know, this man gets beaten and left half for dead, okay? Beaten, left half for dead. He's dying on the street, and a pastor is on his way to church that morning. And there's a lot to be done because there's always need. And the pastor says, yeah, I'm going to the other side of the street. I got places to go, things to do, people to meet with. The apostle comes down, the great spiritual, the guy who can prophesy your head off and who everyone loves, the guy who gets the, you know, big honorariums and goes to the conferences. He walks by, sees the guy. Oh, I'm on my way to an event. Got places to go, people to see. Walks by because there's somewhere to go. We've got a destiny, people. I've got to fulfill the prophetic word on my life, people. Don't you know I have a calling? Meanwhile, this man is bleeding, dying in the street and Jesus is essentially saying you're going to a place but I'm not concerned with where you're going I'm concerned with who you're becoming and who you're becoming is like me and that can happen anywhere it can happen in any place and so they pass by and then the Samaritan comes and this is where they were more offended than the church hears this story today Because a Samaritan person carried so much connotation of less than, half-breed, not spiritual. They, They diluted the true Jewish nature, culture, the whole thing. And if you don't know Israel's history about Judah in the south and the north, and then, you know, the capital of Samaria was in the north and and Jerusalem in the south, there were literally decades and decades and decades and decades, generational um, um, cultural lines, North Korea, South Korea, even as of recent, of course, Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland, deep cultural, political animosity between these people groups. So you could even say, here's my story. The pastor goes by, he's on his way to church. The apostle can't stop. He's on his way to, to, to the conference. But then the gay warlock comes and he walks by and he's like, you know what? I'm going to have compassion on this man. He does this for this man. And Jesus said, which one was a neighbor? And they're forced to say the gay warlock was the one. And I say that because this, anybody who practices the occult or is in the LGBTQ community is just easy targets for us to go, well, we know they're not walking with God. We know they're this and that and the other. Can I tell you something? That's how offensive this story is. And Jesus gives this parable for this reason. He's essentially telling us the people you think are the spiritual ones are really probably not because what moves my heart isn't the big things, it's the little things. Isn't it interesting that the people in the last days, and you can read this in, in Matthew 5 and 6, read it later in Matthew 25, instances where Jesus talks about the, the judgment or when people will stand before him. And I, you know the story, Lord, Lord, we did all these things in your name. You guys know that story. Isn't it interesting that they have to read their resume of what they've done to validate their relationship? And yet the things that Jesus remembers isn't the demons getting cast out, the people you prophesied over, the great things you did for God. What does Jesus remember? He tells us in Matthew 25, he said, I remember when you gave that person a drink of water. I remember when you told that man that that word you gave. I remember when you loved on him. I remember when you visited that person in prison. I remember when you stopped for that one person and fed him. Because when you did it to them, you did it to me. 
You don't want to know how much of a mystic I am. I wonder sometimes how much we do miss Jesus. I'm talking about literally how much are we missing Jesus inside of people. How much are we missing Jesus because we're on the way to our destiny? I think in many ways we've made some somewhat we've aired a little in making our we need to tell people there's a purpose for their life because it is there is a unique goal purpose assignment for everyone's life everyone in here you guys have an assignment that's not mine only you can do it and only I can accomplish what God's put on my life to do but the truth is when we begin to be so consumed with what God's called us to do I feel like we miss, we, we miss it. We miss Jesus right there in front of us. We miss where Jesus is right in front of us. The whole time we're looking for these great things and really God is in the small things that we miss over. I, I, I think Jesus is just in the stuff that a lot of people look over. I, I tell God all the time, I say, Lord, show me the hidden ones. Show me the ones no one else sees. One of the things in church I do is I, I, I look around and I, I see the people who no one wants to be around. It's funny when you're the pastor, when you're the leader, when you're the speaker, when you're the woman, when you're the guy that everyone wants to talk to. I, I was at a church in Nashville. No one knew who we were. There was a bunch of famous people at this church too, like really well-known, successful, famous, whatever Christians. And literally no one cared. Me and my family sat in the back. We led worship the first time. Then everybody wanted to be our friend all of a sudden. I was like, hmm, interesting. Uh, because it's, it's interesting to me that we always want to be with the thing or network the thing that can get us to where we want to go. And we're going to ultimately find out in the end that wasn't the thing that was going to fulfill us. We're going to find fulfillment right now, today, Jesus is in your story right now. He's at your job. He's in. He's working through the person that you dislike, that rubs you wrong. He's literally, he's there. He's saying, hey, I'm here. Even the Bible says you entertain angels when you don't know it. I wonder how much God's trying to get to us, and often we're so consumed with our destiny. I've got things to do. I've got a world to change. And Jesus is going, I, I was in the small things all along, but you moved on. I'm going to end with this. Listen, there's this beautiful part. Um, you know, how many of you guys have, have seen Karate Kid? Okay, now keep your hands up. Hands up. Who's seen Karate Kid? Now, who has, you're going to put your hands down after this. Who has seen the new Karate Kid? Okay, you're missing out. You got to get with it. I know you've seen the 80s one. How many think the 80s one's the all-time best, Karate Kid 1, Daniel Son? I get it, and I'm with you. I'm with you. But I got to tell you about the new one with Jaden Smith, Will Smith's son. Okay, listen, that Karate Kid is great too. It's awesome. And I just love it because of the picture it shows of a lot of what the Father does in our life. Here's what happens. And you can draw the semblance from wax on, wax off. You guys remember that? The whole premise is the same. What it is is in the newer Karate Kid, it's, uh, it's not Mr. Miyagi. It's, it's Jackie Chan's playing him, right? And so it's, it's really Shao Dre. He calls him, his name's Dre. So he says, Shao Dre. But what he does is he wants to learn Kung Fu, right? That's his destiny. It's, it's I'm, you're going to learn Kung Fu. I want to learn Kung Fu. I want to learn how to fight, defend myself. So here's what the master does. The master says, okay, I want you to hang up your coat, take your coat off the hanger, throw it down. Pick up, hang it up, take it up, put it on, take it off, 
hang it up, take it off, throw it down. He has him do this for weeks and weeks and weeks. I bind you. Weeks and weeks and weeks. And finally, finally, he does. The student does what we've all done at one point or another. He says, screw this. I'm done with this. You can take your whole Kung Fu thing and shove it where the sun don't shine. Can I go further? Anybody want me to go further? I'm not that saved yet. I'll offend you. I promise. (laughs) I'm done with you. I'm not doing Kung Fu. You are literally making a fool out of me because this has nothing to do with learning Kung Fu. And he says, Chaudre. And he says, coat on. He's like, I don't have my coat. He's like, coat on. So he like imaginary throws his coat on. Boom. He blocks a punch. And Chaudre's like, what? He's like, coat off. Boom, he's blocking another punch. And then he's like, pick it up. He bends down. He kicks over his head. He realizes, oh my God, I've been learning Kung Fu and I didn't even know it. This is what the Father does in your life when you look around and you think, I'm doing absolutely nothing of what I thought I was going to be doing, Lord. This doesn't look like the prophetic word over my life. You called me a prophet. I'm scrubbing toilets. How does this add up? And, the, you know, it's like, God, you've called me to do this, 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 and this, but I've, I'm doing none of that. In fact, I feel like I'm going backwards from what you told me I would do. Anybody ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like literally you obeyed God, but it feels like you're going backwards from where you wanted to be? This is the Lord karate kidding you. This is the Lord going, you don't think you're learning what you need to learn to be who I'm calling you to become, but I'm telling you, and I promise you, if you'll trust me right now, I am giving you all the tools you need to be the person you need to be of where I'm calling you to be and who I'm calling you to become. If we try to get out of those situations in our life, can I tell you what God does? He's so good, he'll chase you down and make you take the test over. Because in the kingdom, I will say this, there are no shortcuts. I had a woman one time at Morningstar tell me that. That was crazy. I was single at the time. She's coming after me. She was. She's just coming after me. She said, she'd, she'd come up to me at this conference, and she'd say, if you'll go down, I need to speak with you. You've got to come down to the, to the lake down here, and I'm going to pray over you, and you're going to skip levels. I'm like, lady, I'm going to bind you in a minute. Jezebel, shakabase. No, but the whole idea, she said, you're going to skip levels. If anybody ever tells you you're going to skip levels, run, okay? Run far away. Buy my book, and you'll skip five levels in the Spirit. Um, <laughs> no, there are no shortcuts. The cross will surprise your ambitions. It will. And when it does, and if, if you can see God in it, you'll, you'll stay, and you'll say, I'm not taking this test over again. Anybody feel me? I am not doing this over again. Let me tell you something. I have wiggled my way out. I asked Brenner, I said, you ever, you ever wiggled your way out of something the Lord is trying to do? He goes, I don't know, probably at some point. <laughs> yeah, right, at some point I have. Because <laughs> I know for me, I can name it. And what's funnier is I've seen it in people I've discipled and raised up, sons and daughters, different people. Me and Danielle have, have discipled and so, so forth. And I've, I've watched them go through a thing, and I go, if you get out of this, if you, if you wiggle your way out of this, I promise you, you're going to take the test again. 
Me and my wife have done it. We've, we have done it. I, I could tell stories all night about how we were like, oh, my God, things are falling. But this is not right. There's no way God has, has brought me to this place. Something's wrong. You get weird. I got to get out of here. And if you start taking your life into your own hands and think you know how to lead your life, God will actually, in his mercy, let you do what you want to do. But because his love is so strong and fierce, his love will chase you down and say, I'm going to make you retake the test in a whole different way. Anybody ever been through this? I'm telling you, man, it's real. But what's beautiful is if you can stick it out and say, no, I know God's led me in. I love how we're so sure when God leads us somewhere that we're like, I have 5,000 prophetic words, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then that happened, and then I got a prophetic word, and then that happened, and then I saw this billboard. Oh, my God, you won't believe what it said. And then this happened, and then I was watching a show, and then my mom called. And you're like, I get it. You have enough prophetic evidence to literally do this thing. I get it. But what we fail to realize most often is we think the prophetic was something to excite us into this new thing thing rather than being the actual anchor so when the fit hits the shan you know I'm staying right where I'm gonna be because I need that word not to excite me I need that word so I can have sanity right now like I know God led me in I know God led me I found a way to cuss in church now I've realized this you notice this I did this earlier and I've like I didn't do it you did I made you do it in church, so you'll have to take that up with the Lord. But anyway, you know, the prophetic on my life, it, it has become a whole different thing. Because you know what? God hasn't said anything to me. I wish he would. I wish the heck he would. I, walk, I Literally, like a month ago, I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I cannot do this. I walked, I remember, I walked off stage Jesus, please, no one from the church see this live stream. I walked off stage because I just feel like I'm home, Brent. Is that okay? I'm just going to be real. He's like, yeah, you're going to need to come home after this because you're done. I walked in the back. You got a job? Um, Brent, <laughs> I walked in the back, and I said, Lord, how much longer? It was really just the season. Have you ever done that with the Lord? You go, how much longer do I have to be in this season? And I heard the Lord immediately speak resounding in my spirit. He's, as soon as I asked the question, how much do, longer do I have to be here? He said, as long as it takes for you to stop asking. And I was just like, all right, dad, I got it. And I, you know, the word of the Lord, it always is so filled with love. You never feel like condemned. You know, yeah, you never feel beat up on. It was the father. He's like, come on, listen, I, you got this. And I think that we have to know the prophetic that led us in will be the prophetic that leads us out. You know, and, and so often I see this thing happen where God called me to this church, Pastor. I just want you to know. I mean, I have 5,000 prophetic words, and I just want you to know this, this, and this. And he'll make you listen to every, every one of them too, won't he? And they're going to tell you every word. But then when you do something they don't like and they feel uncomfortable or there's a disagreement or something's different, it's, well, I really believe our time here is done. It's like, do you now? So what the Lord say about that? Well, you know, the Lord wouldn't want me to be uncomfortable now, would he? And the truth is, guys, the truth is, is that I think a lot of us miss out on the beauty, the glory, the humility, to be able to walk in an authority and, and the humility. But that, that, that's, a, that's a big one. That's a big one because one of the things me and Danielle always say is, we look at each other and go, we are not going to be those old, bitter Christians. I refuse 
to be the 60, 70, 80-year-old Christian that's, well, I've been kicked out of every church I ever went to. They can't handle me. I'm too prophetic. Nobody, you are too rebellious. And because you won't submit to a man who you can see, you daggone sure ain't submitting to God who you can't see. And the Bible's clear about that in 1 John. And I would just put it to you like this, is I, I want you to know wherever you are right now, God can use it. God can use it. This, this is not to say that, you know, God won't get you out of crazy situations and deliver you out of it. But my prayer lately has been less God get me out of this and let your will be done. And you know what that says? As long as it takes. I'm not getting out of this as long as it takes. Because what you're going to produce in me, it won't be earned any other way. Because when real spiritual authority walks in a room, it doesn't need a title. It doesn't need a book. It doesn't need your name on a screen. It doesn't need any of that. When real spiritual authority walks in, you feel it. I felt real spiritual authority off you when you spoke because you carry it. And what happened in that exchange, what you did, you participated with Jesus in his likeness. When you did that, Jesus actually gave you a part of his heart. So, and guess what? You'll never lose it. It's eternal, it's weighty, and it sits on your life forever because of one decision. So now you get to share in his authority because you shared in his suffering. Right? Who's ready for ice cream? You know what I mean? Right? God is good. I, I'm, I'm so thankful for you guys, man. I, I do feel like this is just like, man, if I could have a family like you and Susanna have built here and the beautiful people here and the elders and all of you guys, man, I, I'd, I'd be a happy man. This is, this is beautiful, and, and I'm so thankful, you guys. You know, I, again, I just wanted to encourage you tonight. As far as the sound man, come join us. Be family. It's a family thing as far as I'm concerned. If you don't come because you're event fatigued, then you're coming you're not coming for the right reasons because I'm event fatigued too. So I, but I want you to know that God really is doing this. This is not contrived by human will or effort. The Lord is really doing this. And so I'm going to be a part of what God's doing in the city that I love the most. So I would just tell you, please consider, you know, joining with us. Come out with me. I'd love to see you guys' faces. Come prophesy love on people. Worship Jesus. You know, eat good food. I want to invite people into God's living room. That's what I want to do. You know, we have church every Sunday, every week, whatever. I want to take the church outside and say, hey, this is the Father's living room. Come on in. Like, you can hang out, you can eat, there's art, there's people there, you can get prayer, there's worship, his presence is here, that's what I long to do. So, guys, I love you, thank you, ice cream for, all right. That's awesome, thank you. So good. Ah, so good. So this is where we, um, this is where we ask how many of you want to suffer for Jesus, right? Is that what we're praying for tonight? Yeah, isn't that what we're saying? <laughs> this is what I really want to do just for a moment, and then we're going we're gonna, to uh, end this. And just, just for a moment, close your eyes. Because what happens is we, you know, we just got so much riches given to us from the Lord. And sometimes we don't even have time to process it. And then we just go off to the next thing. And so what I heard tonight, Father, again, was your invitation for us to... Um, to share life with you, not, not to be on our own journey. That's really what I heard. And, and to, to trust you once again. And so whatever that means and looks like for you, would you just have that little brief
in this moment conversation with the Father about your desire to walk with him and, and do life with him any way that he knows is best for you. Cause you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I am loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are, it's who you are, and I am loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. So Father, we just wanted to end by agreeing with your heart. It's a lot of things we think we know, a lot of decisions we make on our own independently even when we're not even certain we're doing it, but we are. And yet, as, as Chris beautifully was sharing tonight, you, your love refuses to let go of us, refuses to come after us. You, I mean, refuses to let, stop coming after us. You're going to come after us every day of our lives with love because, because, because you promised you would. Because you're in this for the long game. And so, Lord, we are, we are just t telling you how happy we are to belong to you, to be your sons and daughters. And so, God, as we go from this place, this is the one last thing I'm going to pray. As we go from this place, would you help us to see tonight, not even tomorrow, tonight, to see Jesus in the ones as we're talking to each other here and then as we go. Where are we seeing Jesus? And will we stop for the one Father, because that's who you're stopping for. So we thank you for your kindness towards us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I want to encourage you to talk with each other, pray with each other, right after you buy Chris's book. <laughs> we bless you all at home. Thank you all for being here so much. Amen.